the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Kelly will be here momentarily. I'm holding down the fort, no doubt. Uh, he's probably caught in gridlock. You can't get around Manhattan at all. I mean the march of the dictators, the despots, and the tyrants towards the General Assembly of the United Nations has tied up our city so much so you can't go across town, you can't go uptown, you can't go downtown. If you're anywhere south of 60th Street, they're not going to hit you with a congestion uh, pricing tax. No, 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 no. But you're going to be stuck there burning precious fossil fuel at the uh, rates that you're paying for a gallon of gas, about 350 more or less. But here he is. Greg Kelly has arrived to the despots, the dictators, and tyrants on their way to the United Nations. Is that what's going on? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, there's cops everywhere. Instead of fighting crime, they got to protect these enemies of America. But I'm going to, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you to your duty here. Greg. I like, uh, you know, I, yeah, you, uh, wait a second. All these, that U-Haul truck can't be here because of the U.N. This Hagendas truck can't be here because of the U.N., or maybe they could be. Oh, they're trying to smuggle out the Hagendas before the shoplifters get it at the nearby supermarkets. You see the Joe Biden interview? Oh, yeah. Now, oh, he's like, oh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> it's not me. It's you. Uh, let's see here. Inter- uh, inflation, right? Cut six. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not. I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2%. It's, it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. Oh, wow. How dare you? How dare you bring these numbers up to me? Yeah. Oh, just what do you say? Oh, wow. He's like Carter, but mean. Remember, at least Jimmy Carter was like kind of a wimp and he knew it. And he showed it. This guy, some, some, he's got this weird swagger. Uh, how dare you? Uh, this is, it's kind of an amazing time to be alive. I never thought. And he could get away with it. He could get away with it. Yeah, I understand Scott Pelley kind of came back at him, but did it with kind of, he was, he should have been totally astonished as I am. Wow. 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 It's not us. This is the thing. He's not accustomed to getting challenged he it's been months and months and months since this guy had an interview and when they do it uh it's always with a friend it's always with somebody who's going to be gentle and and this was that too because then they were doing a walk and talk a show and tell around the detroit auto show let's see here uh what else did he say cut seven mr president you are the oldest president ever pretty good shape huh which leads to my next question you are more aware of this than anyone some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. Watch me. I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level or the mental acuity, then 
then, you know, that's one thing. It's another thing of just watch and, and you know, keep my schedule, do what I'm doing. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I don't, when I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together, I don't have them saying, wait a minute, well, how, how old are you? What do you, what do you say? You know, I mean, it's a matter of, you know, that old expression, the proof of the puddings and the eating. Have you ever heard that expression in your entire life? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Watch me. Well, we have. You're the most watched person on earth in a way, although you're, that you're hiding half the time. Look at the schedule you put up with. Uh, you, you're on vacation for uh, uh, <laughs> June, July, and August. I mean, uh, what are you, a European aristocrat? What are you, just a who? who <laughs> he really believes what I guess is little sycophants tell him around them. Uh, Jill, oh, you're uh, the, the schedule. He goes dark for days on end. Nobody knows where he is, what he's doing. What kind of laboratory exists up there at uh, in Wilmington, huh? Let's see here. Oh, is he running for president in 2024? Cut eight. Sir, are you committed to running again? Look, if I were to say to you I'm running again, all of a sudden a whole range of things come into play that I have uh, requirements I have to change and move and do. In terms of election in laws. In terms of election laws. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look, my intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again. But it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I've run again? That remains to be seen. You know what he's saying is, and actually, it's not up to him. It's not up to him. It's up to Susan Rice and Obama, all right? If they want to use him again, if he serves any purpose, uh, he'll run. Uh, but they can't prop him up for much longer. Um, that's, not, that's a very interesting exchange. You know, that remains to be seen, the decision. I intend to, but about the decision, well, that remains to be seen because somebody else is going to make it, and they're going to tell Joe whether he can run or not. Let's see what else happened here. Um, uh, uh, cut nine. Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. Uh, look. I'm okay with it being over. Apparently, the left doesn't want him to say that because they're they got all kinds of uh, monkey business they still want to pull off. Uh, is the pandemic over? It kind of feels that way to me. If he wants to say it, that's fine. That's the least thing I'm concerned about from this bizarre interview. Uh, Scott Pelley, by and large, did a pretty good job. The other thing that was crazy is uh, he is coming out again against U.S. policy. U.S. policy regarding Taiwan is uh, Taiwan is part of China. That's what we say officially. That's what you say when you're a diplomat and or the president of the United States and you work for America. One China policy. China is in charge. Taiwan is part of China. Now, of course, de facto, we love that Taiwan is free and that, uh, you know, it's totally independent. And we would love it to stay that way. But if you were the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States, the secretary of state or 10,000 other people, you're not supposed to say it. And they haven't been saying it since 1979. 
But Joe, you know, since he can't keep up with policy, since he will only say things that feel good in the moment, right? If he thinks he has an opportunity to look tough, he'll just take it. And Scott Pelley was like, if China attacks Taiwan, will we come to Taiwan's defense militarily? Yes. Yes, of course. Well, the White House has to then go into over uh, you know, damage control, say, oh, well, he, what he really meant to say was no. <laughs> what he really meant to say was uh, I, I, I can't say anything about that. This, the, the White House had to clean up that mess. And this is not a, this is not a country we want to get into it with right now. China. I just we we just don't. Not with this guy in charge. Uh, you know. Uh, Trump, I think, could have handled it much better. You know, you're playing a game, Scott. All right. You know, you're playing a game. So why don't we not play this game? Because, Scott, you know, you guys do this. And if somebody says the wrong thing, people could die. You could, People should understand that about the fake news. You guys want the people to die. Now, I'm not saying Scott Pelley wants that, but, you know, in their quest to make news, in their quest to get quoted in the New York Times, right, they will ask some pretty outrageous questions that if – it's one of the reasons why we don't like politicians because they're always bending over backwards and um, to not say anything to uh, to confuse us. Sometimes that's necessary. If there were, you know, kind of candid, direct answers to some of these questions, yeah, we could blow up the world. Something that uh, I think that is not pointed out enough that they ask these seemingly tough questions or interesting questions if the answers were. A thousand percent candid. And Trump was very good at this, by the way. You know, we all know that he's a tough guy and whatever, but he could he could deflect brilliantly. He said, you know what? I'm not here to talk about that. You know, I don't want to talk about that. I, I, I don't want to talk about what we would do or not do. That's not good. And then he would. But he could be tough and he could be nuanced. He could be nuanced and he could be. He was a constitutional president. One who believed in the Constitution. You know, every day, every day they say, oh, what an authoritarian. He had no respect for the rule of law. He did this. Of course he did. Of course he did. I just, he came, he said outrageous things. No doubt about it. He tweeted stuff very, very provocative. He complained about judges in the most unorthodox way. But he would follow the judge's order. He would, or he would seek to appeal the judge's order. You know, we will go to the district and then we will lose and then we will go to the appellate and we might win. But if we lose, we'll go to the Supreme Court. And the way I count it, I think we'll win. But who knows? He, this is, this was his approach and it was a good one. Joe Biden, meanwhile, is just writing these crazy executive orders. He has no authority to give every 21 year old in America $10,000. He can't do that. And then he gets angry. He gets all pissy, excuse me, when you when you call him out on it. Hey, did you see that axe-wielding maniac down at the Delancey Street McDonald's? I'll tell you what, my days of going to McDonald's are over. Absolutely finished, especially in the city. I was in one on Saturday after all this nonsense, and uh, it was a pretty tense scene. It was just tense. Now, one of the reasons why it was so tense, the service was terrible. It took forever. This is supposed to be fast food. How long would it take? How long until you start getting antsy at a um, at a McDonald's? For me, it's about um, anything over 10 minutes gets kind of ridiculous, right? Now, I'm a very patient person, 
and I've got class. So I'm not going to get too wound up. But some of these other people who are waiting 15 minutes for their food or even to place an order who didn't want to use those crazy kiosks that are, are not good. Uh, so things are tense in McDonald's, period, these days. Anyway, some guy goes up to a girl, starts talking to her. She wants nothing to do with him. Apparently, he was very, very vulgar. He might have gotten physical. So a bunch of guys start punching on him. Did you see the video? It's pretty crazy. They're punching on him, but they're not punching him hard. And he's, he's having they have, the punches are having no effect. And he says, is that all you got? Is that all you got? But, you know, a bunch of guys, a bunch of punks punching you, that's going to make you mad. And it made him mad. So he goes to his, do we have this? Go ahead. It's just crazy. And he goes and he, to his backpack and he comes out with a little hatchet, a little mini axe. Don't you keep an axe in your in your knapsack? Maybe I'm going to start doing that. And he starts breaking up the place. I'll I'll give him this. I'll give the guy this. He he used the axe only on on things, not on people. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. But this guy needs to be in Rikers right now. He was in and out in 15 minutes. He's already out. And Kathy Hochul. <laughs> This is what this is why you have an emergency session. This is why we give governors power, all right? So they can do things about this. So you can fire a district attorney. Why why be the governor? What what is it? What does she get off on, huh? Giving her friends contracts, living in that stupid mansion up there in Albany, uh and getting wearing the jacket that says you're governor. That's it. What do you got? You got it? Oh. All right. I I guess we took out the bad words. You're just going to hear a bunch of stuff going on, but He's breaking things, and he's waving an axe around, and he's punching people. Go ahead. Wait, you have the guy who did it? This is the guy who did it? Wow. What's his name again? Cassius or something like that? What's his name? I I, I saw his name in the paper once. All right, go ahead, and uh, let's hear what he had to say. My intentions were not to hurt anyone. My intentions were not to put anyone in a hospital or dice anybody up. The reason why I pulled out the hatchet was because, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that they don't jump me again. <laughs> he, sounds, he sounds so mild-mannered. He sounds, he sounds like a perfect gentleman. That's the same guy, Michael Palacios. What does he do for a living? He's 31 years old. He's in incredible shape. He was wearing a tank top. I'm sorry. That's not... <laughs> I can't believe that's the same guy. My intention was that I didn't. <laughs> Can I hear it one more time? Have you seen the video yet? This guy is a maniac. I don't care how much he could take the punches. They were like little kids trying to punch him. He was waving around an axe, got into this woman's face, punched like four people hard. They went down. They went down, and now he's out having a press conference one more time. My intentions were not to hurt anyone. My intentions were not to put anyone in a hospital or dice anybody up. The reason why I pulled out the hatchet <laughs> was because, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna make sure that they don't jump me again. Why did you have the hatchet? <laughs> why did you have the axe in your knapsack? That is wild. Oh, my goodness gracious. This story is getting. And now I did say, I did say a moment ago, at least he did not use the hatchet on the people. He only used his fist. 
which with this guy is a major league weapon. He was knocking people down to the ground. Wow. You know what the cops should do? Follow him around the moment he jaywalks, arrest him. I don't care how well-spoken he is. This guy is a nut. We all saw it on videotape. He's admitting it. He needs to be in jail now. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the most bizarre. This is really, really crazy stuff. This is uh, this is Escape from New York. Remember that movie, Escape from New York, with Kurt Russell? Great movie, by the way. But uh, that's what New York is looking like these days, man. All right, so the Axeman, the Axeman goes crazy early Saturday morning in the McDonald's. Are you ready? This was not self-defense, by the way. I'm sorry, he could walk away. These guys were not hurting him. He was standing there. He's a giant. He's incredible shape. He's huge. He's big. I guess he insulted some guy's girlfriend and uh, maybe did something more. And they started punching him. He gets an axe and goes crazy. Let's hear it. He's breaking up the joint. He's breaking up tables. He's yelling at women. He's punching people more. That's it. Well, it goes on like that. It goes on. And then uh <laughs> 12 hours later, he's holding a press he's holding a press conference with his publicist in the assembled media. Let me hear more of that. I'm always out there on the road, so I'm always actually getting into it with drivers, which is what the tomahawk is for. It's not for people. It's for trees and you know, vehicles. Wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, that's what the tomahawk is for. If you're really into axes, I guess that's a tomahawk axe. All right. That's a, that's a special, that's a, that's a particular type of hatchet. Uh, he just caught himself there, right? Uh, that's not for, uh, I'm always driving and I'm always getting into it. No, I'm always on my bike. He's an Uber Eats bike messenger guy, I think, right? He's delivering stuff on his bicycle all the time. And he gets into it with drivers. So it's not for people, it's for drivers. But he catches himself, this evil, evil man. Let me hear that again, please. I'm always out there on the road, so I'm always actually getting into it with drivers, which is what the tomahawk is for. Uh-oh. It's not for people. It's for trees and, you know, vehicles. <laughs> uh, yeah, yep, 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 this guy. This is why your lawyers generally tell you to keep your mouth shut, all right? <laughs> He's out there talking. It's not for people. It's for drivers. Uh, this is He's out there right now. Probably you know, be careful when you order something uh, online. Uh, this guy could be, if you look at him the wrong way, who knows what could happen. Uh, Lee Zeldin is going to win this race. Lee Zeldin is going to win. There's no way. I don't care how. I don't care if it's 90 to 1 Democrat. There's no way New Yorkers are going to give her. Uh, and remember, she's not the governor. She's not the real governor. Okay? She was the lieutenant governor. And who, who becomes the lieutenant governor? Hey, by the way, I'll give you $1,000. Who's the lieutenant governor right now? You know we have one. Who is it? Nobody knows. 
Nobody cares. Uh, these these jobs are just to patronage. They usually do something. They, it gives them a one-day feel-good story. I know who the lieutenant governor is. Okay, guys, it's a rhetorical question. It's Antonio Delgado, and he's a uh, House member from upstate. He was going to lose his job. He was going to he's going to lose his seat. So that he needed something. And oh, by the way, happens to be black. Now he's the second one that Kathy Hochul picked. By the way, remember the first one, guy named uh, what was his name? Brian Benjamin. Benjamin Brian. And again, Kathy Hochul. When you're when you're so myopic, when you're so silly, when you're so into what things look like, not what things are. Uh, and you want to show people, oh, look at how virtuous I am. You see, I have a black lieutenant governor and I'm a white woman. Y- you don't make good decisions, all right? <laughs> you just go to the first person of color. You forget everything else and you just look at the skin color, which is stupid. It's an insult to everybody involved. And that's how you got that guy, Brian Benjamin, who is, uh, I believe, awaiting his federal fraud trial. He was arrested on bribery charges, had to leave his big job because Kathy Hochul didn't care. Oh, he's a black man. I'm sure he's a very nice man. Make him my lieutenant governor. Wouldn't you like to see his resume? No, not necessary. I understand he's a very fine man. Okay, give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know... Last night, Biden was talking all about, they didn't even ask him about the border. They did not ask him about crime. And, yes, we got a lunatic in a McDonald's. You know, what does that have to do with the president of the United States? Well, a lot, actually. Crime is a major, major issue, coast to coast. He helped create this atmosphere. Oh, absolutely. And the other thing is, um, you know, Obama would weigh in on crime. He absolutely would. Crimes that he found interesting. Crimes that served his purposes. Uh, now, this is a major, major incident. Some nut job running around with an axe, threatening people, punching people. Uh, this deserves, and we have a governor who doesn't care. This deserves attention. It absolutely deserves major league attention. Now, okay, maybe this interview with Biden was filmed before, but there are plenty of other <laughs> wild scenes out there. Crime is a thing, okay? It really is happening. Remember back to Barack Obama. He, any little thing. Do you remember the professor in, where was it, Cambridge? Uh, professor Gates. He's a big-time professor. You see him on Channel 13 a lot. He does the genealogy thing. You know, he you know, he finds out that, like, Tone Loke is related to the King of England, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so Professor Gates is coming home from, a, I guess, an academic conference on a Sunday night, and he forgot his keys. He left his keys inside the house, so he goes through the window. He goes, you know, he's got to try all the windows around his house and they don't open. And then he finally finds a window and he climbs in the window. Well, some neighbor sees this and thinks the house is getting robbed. I understandable reaction, you know, and she calls the police. And I uh, let's see, I believe she was Hispanic, by the way. Not that that really makes a difference. The cops come and they're like, oh. You live here? Can I see some ID? You sure? Yeah. Because, you know, burglars tend to be liars, right? <laughs> the guy just wanted to make sure everything was okay. Well, Professor Gates loses his mind, yells and screams at the cop, you know, insults him. And the cop kind of, you know, he's, he's a young guy. He's 29. This guy's not showing him any respect. Well, you could say it's in his own house. 
Well, anyway, they put the cuffs on Professor Gates. Uh, and people who know Professor Gates, who I've met, actually, uh, more than one occasion, very nice guy in, in, in public, and I'm sure he's a very nice guy in private, but he's got one hell of a temper. Even Barack Obama said that. He could totally see this guy going off and going too far. So they locked him up for about 20 minutes, brought him downtown, and then then they let him go. This became a big, 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 big story. Thanks to Barack Obama. He called the cops stupid, the whole thing. The cop never should have done that. He doesn't have all the facts. Barack Obama admits that. But this looks like it's incredibly stupid. He's he And he did this during a press conference, a nationally televised press conference. And Barack Obama's weighing in on some cop, you know, who put the cuffs on some guy in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And he also talked about cases that were far more important, um, or that he made important. Remember Trayvon Martin? And Trayvon Martin was that cute little 12-year-old kid who was just trying to buy a bag of Skittles, and that crazy George Zimmerman beat him to death for no reason, right? Right? That's how it goes. And none of that happened, of course. Uh, Trayvon Martin was not 12. He was 17. He was a bad kid. He was a gang member. He was all these things. And it looked like he was stealing things that night. And he got shot by George Zimmerman after he attacked George Zimmerman and was banging George Zimmerman's head into the ground. The fake news never tells you any of that. And it's easy to forget that a jury exonerated Zimmerman. The prosecutors didn't even want to make the case because they knew there was no case. But after pressure from the White House, they did. So it's not unheard of for presidents to talk about this stuff, okay? Uh, they talk about it when it's silly. What about talking about it when it's serious? No, nope, he didn't want to talk about that. He, however, did cause big problems for the planet Earth by speaking wildly irresponsibly about China and Taiwan. All right, what happened here? We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago, and that there's one China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving. We're not encouraging them being independent. We're not. Let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. Okay, do you have what comes next? So the White House had to walk all that back. Yes, 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 yes. Well, that's not our policy. And we don't say it out loud. Whatever we're going to do, we don't say out loud. That's the arrangement we have with China. You know, the man that uh, President uh, Biden flew uh, 700,000 miles with all over the world, uh, the president of China, I know him so well. Yeah, we're good friends. Yeah, wow. Uh, this is, he's supposed to be good at this stuff. And he is not. He's terrible. He's no good. No good at being president. And here's somebody who's no good at being mayor. Eric Adams put on the suit. Oh, boy, does this guy look good. i tell you what, whatever diet and workout regimen he has, it's a good one. Uh, although the better he looks, usually, often, means they're not doing such a hot job. You ever, um, you ever work really, ever find yourself in, in a lot of pressure, right? What are you doing? You're grabbing junk food. You're eating on the go. You know, you just, you're, by definition, it's one of the reasons why, in addition to age, you know, 23, 24, 25-year-olds look great. 52, 53, 55-year-olds don't look so great, especially men. Why? They have more responsibility uh, by that time in life, probably making a bit more money. They're also under the gun because they're going to have to retire maybe in 10 years. So they're all focused on work, on, on getting resources, and they neglect themselves. 
this guy is not neglecting himself. He's not denying himself. He's on television, and he knows nothing. He doesn't know. He doesn't even know the power he has. So let's see here. He's on the, the – and this is a great big treat. When you are a local official, when you are – um, when you're a mayor, when you're a you know just a congressman or whatever, getting on the national news, getting on State of the Union on the CNN show or uh, Meet the Press, and he was on two of them, I think, yesterday. All right, here's Eric Adams uh, taking no responsibility for anything. Cut eleven. So you're struggling to process the 2,500 migrants uh, sent to you from Texas. Uh, meanwhile, the El Paso sector of the border sees an average of 1,700 migrants crossing every single day. A record 1.9 million uh, migrants have been apprehended on the southwest border this fiscal year alone. Even if you think what these governors are doing is horrific, it seems like you agree this is a crisis that needs more attention from the Biden administration. No, I believe it's a crisis that needs more coordination for, from our country. All right, that's that's it. That's it, huh? Uh if I were Eric Adams, I wouldn't go on these shows because the more he talks, the less impressed people are, right? It's one thing to watch those silly commercials. It's one thing uh, in the campaign when nobody was really paying attention. You know, this guy got elected last day of school. Primary day was on the last day of school in June, June of 2021. You think that's a Democrat move? You think that is a threat to democracy? It is. Oh, yes, baby, it is. All these primaries now, they moved them from September when people are traditionally focused on politics to the dead of summer, August, July, late June, last day of school. That's how you get a guy named Ewick to be the mayor. I think it should be what? What? what, uh, 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 He has no answers. This is a guy, although he plays people big time, especially, especially rich people in New York City, especially rich white people in New York City. All right. They're just dazzled. Oh, my goodness gracious. You ever hear this, their condescending approach when it comes to people of color? Sometimes they do. They have one. Oh, yeah. Like when they're totally blown away. Oh, he's so articulate. What the hell does that mean? First of all, he's not articulate. Let's be clear about that. I don't know what it is that you find cute about this guy, but he's not cute. He doesn't know anything. He does not know anything. You know, it would have been great. Who was the guy who ran against him? Unfortunately, he knew a lot, but he was a dud. Ray, Ray something, Ray Dialio. What was his name? Ray McGuire. Now, that guy would have been a lot better. Why? Look, he had no, it's probably not even worth talking about. Nobody even remembers him. But at least this guy had a measure of success in a competitive industry. Eric Adams did nothing other than speak into microphones to no avail. To no, 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 nothing ever came of it. All that hot air. Brooklyn Borough President just holding events, holding press conferences and calling for things, not being responsible for anything. That's what he does. But he would fool people by saying, well, I'm going to bring back the uh, anti-crime unit. Oh, he must be very, very good on He must tough on crime. He bring the the anti-crime unit was disbanded by de Blasio. It was a very effective and there there were multiple versions of this and locations and there were it wasn't just one unit but anyway um it was essentially an undercover unit right they do decoy work and all this stuff and they were very good at getting guns well what did eric do he brought back the unit but he totally negated their effectiveness by putting them in uniform putting great big nypd shirts and sweatshirts on 
That was the whole point. So it's not an anti-crime unit. It's just more, it's just, it's just, <laughs> you see, he gets credit for bringing the anti-crime unit, but he totally screws it up because he does not know anything. All he knows how to do is to appease groups, activist groups, you know, just by saying things, words, just words, just words. And unfortunately, America really has become not a country about what you do or what you've done. It's a country based on what you say. And that's not good. That's really not good. Of all the people, and I don't really have much respect for Mitt Romney because he's a loser. He was too good at losing. Almost like he wanted to lose. It's one thing he said, he pointed out. America is no longer a country about what you've done. It's a country about what you say. And it doesn't really matter what you've accomplished. People just want to, And because our press has no bandwidth to find out what you've actually done. And had they looked at Eric Adams, they would have seen that very impressive-looking individual has not done anything other than, well, deliver no results, be mediocre and bad at jobs, and uh, shoot his mouth off. That's it. Now, coming from me as a radio guy, <laughs> pot calling the pot a pot. Well, you know what? I've had my ass in the grass. All right. You can look it up. You can. And it's not that hard to find out where I've been and what I've done. And quite frankly, I'm proud of it. It's a hell of a lot more than Eric Adams ever did with his life. OK, so don't forget, uh, we got to help Lee Zeldin. This is serious. This is literally life and death stuff. Life and death stuff. We got to get Lee Zeldin in there. And people keep telling me, oh, it's an overwhelmingly Democrat state. You're just going to let this airhead, Kathy Hochul, just walk right into it because, and why? Why does she have that job? Remember, she was chosen as lieutenant governor by Andrew Cuomo because she was mediocre. That's something that almost all governors have in common. They always pick the weakest most mediocre, most obscure person they can, with very few exceptions, as their lieutenant governor. All right? And, um, I mean, who did it? Well, you know who did it, especially, especially Cuomo. Usually most people don't know their names, including the present one. Uh, let's see here. Joe has something to say about Eric Adams. Yes? Hello. Uh, how you doing? Hello. Yes, I'm fine. Okay, uh, uh, Eric Adams, his only qualification for mayor is the color of his skin, and that's it. He was a terrible policeman. He, his, uh, the Blue Thunder scandal uh, came back to his brother's typewriter. He's a bigot. He's a racist. He's a lowlife, and he's a scumbag. And that's all I have to say about Eric Adams. Well, hold on one second, one second. Um, first of all, I agree with you. Um, although I don't think they a thousand percent tied his, the typewriter thing. I don't think that was, at least I can't find any record of it. And I know what you're talking about, but let me ask you this. So the color of his skin, and I agree, identity politics is what got this guy elected. Why do you think that's important to people? Why is it some, somehow suddenly so important what race people are in terms of qualification for enough? What, why, what are people thinking? I'll tell you exactly why the same reason that, a million stupid white liberals broke their neck uh, jumping over each other to, to uh, vote for Barack Hussein Obama. They want to show everybody they're not racist, they're not this, they're not that. Uh, Don Lemon said that white people are the biggest problem in this country. I say it the other way around. People of color are the biggest problem in New York City. Hey, hold on a second. No, 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 Joe. Now you went way too far. I got to stop you right there. Goodbye, Joe. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
Goodbye. Goodbye. Joe, identity politics is ripping this country apart. Absolutely. All right. But I won't tolerate statements like that, blanket statements like that. Now, we can talk about problems. Uh, we have. And I, uh, people are having a very silly conversation about race to avoid an important conversation about race. But when you come out and you frame it the way you just did, you're going to be excluded from the conversation. And you shouldn't let that happen. Now, there is a problem. And you see, you got to be reasonable about it. you got to be, you know, just, to, to, I, I can't, I can't, no, no. Now, however, you can look at, you can look at black America and ask questions about why are there so few uh, two-parent families in black America? Why is that? I don't know. The answers are complex. The answers uh, might be uncomfortable. Those are the things. That, and it was at one point, you know, Barack Hussein Obama, as you call him. And, oh, by the way, I was seduced by that phony in 2008, in part because McCain was such a jerk and I couldn't take Sarah Palin at the time. I, I, I bought that nonsense. Um, and for a brief shining moment, it looked like Obama was prepared to say and articulate and think and maybe act on the things that were very problematic. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Joe, there was something about that attitude there, the little edge, okay, yeah, that, uh, that I can't take. All right. Give me a moment. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I I was doing so well last week in terms of diet and exercise. And then last night, oh boy, well, Friday, Friday was a rough day. I did not eat earlier than noon or after six o'clock, but I had a great big strawberry shortcake in the middle of it all. That was not good. And then last night I was at this amazing, amazing buffet, just the most beautiful food. It was at a restaurant, a special event. It was really great. And the food was uh, delicious and very healthy until I got to the end of the buffet line and they had a huge vat of like gourmet fried chicken. And I was, I haven't had fried chicken in a long, long time. I, I, I just, I, it's been about four years, maybe five. And I look at it and the guy says, do you want a, do you want a piece? Do you want a leg? Do you want a breast? Do you want this? Do you want that? I looked at them all. I said, give me the biggest one with the most fried stuff on it. You know, you, you know how sometimes the, the fried goes off in little, pe- little directions, kind of like, like, uh, hanging off the, the, the a cave. It just kind of formulates. And anyway, so I got the biggest, baddest piece of fried chicken. I thought I was being such a gentleman by taking just one. At that point, my plate was already heaped with all kinds of other stuff. And then right on top of it, like the cherry on top, was the fried chicken. I ate it. It was like eating cake. It was amazing. It was really great. And it was at one of those things where my back is to the podium and I really wanted to eat it. The lady next to me said, you should probably start your on your meal. I said, it's okay, yes. So I was eating with my back to the podium. Uh, but I was far enough away where it was okay. Uh, and last night I really couldn't. I mean, I woke up at about two in the morning in a sweat, and my heart was racing. I think that fried chicken is what did it. And uh, I slept to nine thirty in the morning. That's not good. I never. I usually am up before seven, but I was up. Oh gosh, uh, it was fun while it lasted, but no more fried chicken. Okay, uh, for me, for me. Boy, it was good though. What a what a shame that they can't figure out how to do a healthy version of that. Uh, what else? Oh, the funeral. Is it over yet? Did you see the president of the United States, Joe Biden? Do you know where they stuck him? In the back of the church. 
Joe Biden was and and and, and that, that that first lady character were sitting in the back of the church. The picture is stunning. Seventy rows back, Joe Biden. There's a circle. He's all the way back. This is a diss. All right. And even if they didn't mean it, you know, Joe does not fill the room. He's not strong. And what do you do with people who are not strong? You stick him in the back or you don't even see him or you don't pay. He had a wait outside. They made him wait outside. You remember at that NATO summit where Trump just pushed his way to the front? Oh, how dare he? Oh, what a savage, a brute. He does not know how to behave. Absolutely. He knew how to behave. America first, baby. Literally and figuratively, it's I know it's a funeral and you're not supposed to worry about these dumb things. But he's the president of the United States. Forget Joe Biden. The president of the United States sits in the front row. I don't care whose funeral it is. You put him right in the front row. And if their precious protocol doesn't allow for that, maybe you walk the hell out. Well, no, you can't do that. All right. You sit in the fourth row or the third row or something. You don't put him in the back of the damn church. Otherwise, you don't go. You just don't go. How long has it been now? She's dead a week and a half. Is I don't mean to, to be disrespectful. Is she buried yet? Uh, Prince Charles, uh, King Charles, King Charles. How many? How many branches of the military did he serve in? I've seen this guy wear a green uniform, a blue uniform, a dark blue uniform, a light blue uniform. Uh Medals, I don't think he was in the Falkland Island War. The Falklands. He was not in the Falklands Island. The entire time he was an adult, what war did he fight in? He did not fight in a war, but he's got all these medals and trophies and everything uh, that he wears. Let's see here. Prince Andrew. Um, it's kind of wild. It's kind of wild. What, what was he accused of doing? Oh, yeah. Forgive me. I know. He was accused of fooling around with that 17-year-old girl. Although 17, let's face it, is, you know, in some states, look, it's too young, no doubt about it. And he's the prince. But, you know, a lot of that, I wonder, I wonder. 17 could be the age of consent in certain states. But where was he? Maybe it wasn't. And maybe it was actually rape. Who knows? But uh, I guess he's going to stay in England because he's worried about being extradited or being taken into custody, maybe even in this country. He was palling around with Jeffrey Epstein even after, after that guy was convicted of giving underage girls massages or getting massages from underage girls. I mean, I remember seeing Jeffrey Epstein. When the hell was that? It was like in 2013. And I couldn't believe he was where he was. It was a Broadway premiere, and he's walking through the place. Kind of looked like Jerry Seinfeld. He wore these silly um, you know, jeans that were kind of big in 1992. And they were literally, you know, they're, they're kind of like baggy, kind of like MC Hammer wore, and they're all faded, like acid-washed, and he's wearing Stan Smith sneakers. He looked very 1990s, but I remember seeing him, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? And I gave him a look. I just gave him a look. Now, you could say, all right, well, look, he's, uh... no, I, I feel I feel good about that. I think I did the right thing. Um, I, there are certain things that uh, you just... Don't get welcomed back to society, that kind of society. You know, I mean, he was having sex with young underage girls. You can't know. No, 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 sir. Sorry. Anyway, uh, so Andrew has paid a big price for that. Hey, 
Does Ant? No, I don't want to. Who knows? I don't know. And neither. Maybe we should have a commission on that. Hey, the nine eleven commission is having more hearings. You think there might be a political angle to all that? I want to know why they use bike racks to secure the Capitol. Be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, 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 hey. You know, I think, you know, we hear so many crazy clips and this and that, and you know, everything evaporates right away, but we got a lot of folks who can marshal this, harness this, and use it against Joe Biden and other Democrats as it should be. Joe Biden may really have done himself serious, serious damage when he so arrogantly responded uh, to the uh, you know, 40 year high inflation. This this is not how a compassionate, decent person who's the president of the United States reacts. This is uh, this is very, very bad. Very, very damaging. What do you think? 60 minutes last night. The inflation situation, Mr. President. What do you think? Cut six. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just uh, 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 just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not. You're, I, mean, I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's, it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. Uh, my God. <laughs> this is, uh, this is so, this is out of touch. This is what a totally out of touch, uh, selfish person sounds like and looks like. All right. Right there. That's going to be, that's going to be jammed in com- into commercials, right? Yeah, but it's not that. It's <laughs> the misery is constant. It's not rising. The misery of last month was the same as the month before, is the same as the month before. So I don't want to hear you talking about the misery. Get used to it. Uh, <laughs> how about you, uh, Mr. President? You seem to be kind of out of it. Uh, you seem to be not up to the job. What do you have to say about that? Cut seven. Mr. President, you are the oldest president ever. Pretty good shape, huh? Which leads to my next question. You are more aware of this than anyone Some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. Watch me. I mean, honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level or the mental acuity, then, then, you know, that's one thing. It's another thing. You just watch and, and, you know, keep my schedule. Do what I'm doing. I I think that... uh, you know, uh, I don't, when I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together, I don't have them saying, wait a minute, how, how old are you? What are you, what did say? You know, I mean, it's a matter of, you know, that old expression, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. Uh, run that expression by me again. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Mm. Um, yeah, watch him, watch him, watch him do what? Watch him hide, watch him go on vacation and not be seen all summer long? I mean, <laughs> this is the kind of presidency. You can't, you can't fool us. And, oh, by the way, here he is. Remember, I told you this a long time ago. He's not in charge. Barack Obama and Susan Rice are in charge. His uh, future is in their hands, not ours, not even his. Listen carefully to what he says about uh, what he's going to do in 2024. Cut eight. 
Sir, are you committed running again? Look, if I were to say to you I'm running again, all of a sudden a whole range of things come into play that I have uh, requirements I have to change and move and do. In terms of election laws? In terms of election laws. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look, my intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again. But it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. Uh, that remains to be determined by Barack Obama and uh, Susan Rice. Susan Rice being the most important person, probably even more important than uh, than Barack Obama himself on a day-to-day basis because she's got a lot of latitude to do her own thing. Um, man, he's bad and getting worse. You know, I saw him at some sort of birthday party the other night. Um, bad things happen when he takes the mic and just starts to, you know, freelance a little bit. Let's see here. Cut 15, please. Okay, so let me set the scene for you. He's just come up on stage after a very pretty woman in a kind of bright, sequiny, hot dress has introduced him. He comes up, grabs the microphone, grabs her. And now he's going to riff a little bit. Uh, cut 16. Folks, this happens to be uh, Annette's birthday. It's hell when you turn 25, but, you know. No, what a charmer, huh? It's not Wilmington 1973 anymore. That joke doesn't work, but whatever. Uh, now it gets even weirder, in my opinion. Cut 17. We have a tradition of the Biden family. We sing happy birthday. How about that, huh? What a unique tradition. A hearty clan that uh, the Biden folk, huh? The Biden family. We sing happy birthday, yes. In my part of the country, in my part of the world, we we sing this little tune called uh, a birthday happiness extravaganza. It's a song, and it goes like this. Let's see here. Cut 18. So let's go. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Nanette. Happy birthday to you. All right. You see, you're supposed to say, Dear Nanette, but he doesn't really know the words to happy birthday, and he's losing concentration. doesn't really know who this person is. Uh, unfortunately, he figures it out all <laughs> at the same time, and it's wrong. Oh, 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 you know, happy birthday, dear Gregory. Hat, don't you put dear, happy birthday, dear Kevin. And he forgets the dear. That's what it sounds like to me. Uh, cut 19. Happy birthday, Nanette. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, and then he goes in for a weirdo kiss. I mean, he gets in really close. I think he wanted a, he wanted to grab her lips there, but it, 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 maybe it did happen. Cut 20. God love you, kiddo. Nobody likes to be called kiddo, right? Who the hell? If somebody called you kiddo, would you like that? 
Because she's not 25. That was part of the joke. A kiddo. Nah, nah. I guess it's better than nah, nah. Then at the end of the speech, he doesn't know where the hell to go. He gets lost again. And uh, let's see here. Do I feel sorry for him? No, I don't. Because remember, this is what he thinks of us. Cut 22. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Yeah, that's what he thinks of us. That's what he thinks of us. Because I'm a, well, I'm not a Republican, but he's basically talking about me. I'm MAGA. I'm ultra MAGA. I love it. I love the Make America Great agenda. I love building a wall. I love border security. I love not getting into unnecessary wars. I love not losing foreign wars. I love deregulation. I love it all. I not only love the policies, I love the style. I do. I am tired of your phoniness. I am tired of the lying. I am tired of you standing there on Inauguration Day 2021 and saying all these things that you have no intention of actually doing. You remember any of this, Cut 23? We can see each other, not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. Uh, yeah, well, except you MAGA types. <laughs> MAGA. Uh, hey, what did you do for um, uh, National Black Voter Day? I hope you did something for it. Michelle Obama told me it was last Friday. Cut 24. Happy National Black Voter Day. Today is all about recognizing the power of our voices and the response. We have to use them. It's great news that more black Americans were eligible to vote in the last presidential election than ever before. Great news. Well, you want to go into a little bit of detail as to why? And this is the the uncomfortable part of the conversation about race that too few people, no matter what your race, seem to be interested in having. Well, they let a lot of people who were in jail vote, who just got out of jail vote, who were convicted of felonies vote, and a disproportionate disproportionate number of them happened to be people of color. That's part of what made uh, you so excited about national, what the hell is it called again? Cut 24? Happy National Black Voter Day. Today is all about <laughs> recognizing the power of our voices and the response we could, have. Could to you use imagine? Them. Could you imagine if they had something called Happy National White Voter Day? It would be understandably and appropriately ridiculed and condemned. And I am going to ridicule and condemn Happy National Black Voter Day. It's just as offensive as National White Voter Day. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, let's see what the hell else is going on. Uh, we did the Eric Adams thing. Eric, Eric, he really does love that limelight. Hey, um, Lee Zeldin, we want to help. All right. And you're doing your part. It seems like to me you're out there. You're you're making the case. Are we supporting Lee Zeldin? Are we writing little checks? Hmm. Lee, we got a chance. And you know what? Our personal safety really does count the, uh, our continued personal safety we're getting it back really comes with getting lee zeldin in the governor's mansion cut 10 please 
Every time you hear from a mayor in New York City or the governor of New York or the mayor in Washington, D.C. or Chicago, think of these border communities, these border states, how desperate they must be, because this is their reality all day, every day for a very long time. So the federal government needs to uh, finish construction of the border wall, end catch and release, enforce the Remain in Mexico policy. It needs to support our Customs and Border Patrol agents and stop incentivizing and rewarding illegal entry, and that's at the federal state and local level sounds good to me who can argue with that uh kathy hogel can't argue with that i mean literally she can't i mean number one he's right on the issues number two she's wrong on the issues number three she doesn't know how to talk she doesn't she doesn't know how to do this stuff she doesn't know politics she doesn't know government what she knows are the perks what she loves is the governor's mansion what she loves is hooking her her donors up. Did you hear about this? Some crazy firm that makes electronic hoverboards suddenly got into the COVID testing business right around the time they gave her uh, campaign $300,000 and they get this massive testing contract, COVID testing. Enough with the COVID testing, by the way. Um, how much did they get? Uh, it's many millions of dollars. They're charging New York State, I think, double what California it pays for their COVID testing. This is kind of why most of them go into politics for these kinds of sweetheart arrangements. They have no vision. They just, they're greedy and they're vain. And that's Kathy Hochul, all right? Uh, she stands for nothing other than wearing the silly, t- look at me, I'm governor. Back to the beauty parlor with this one, please. Hey, Trump had a great big rally in Ohio, it was Saturday night. I must. I usually, I usually catch these things. What was I doing Saturday night? I don't remember. Can we do it? All right, right after the break. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, everybody's talking about it. This crazy attack in the early morning of, uh, I guess it was Saturday morning at like two in the morning. By the way, don't go to a McDonald's or any. Don't go out especially in this city, after midnight. I don't care who you are, where you are. Uh, this madman goes on a rampage. I guess somebody insulted him or he insulted somebody. He breaks out an axe, a, 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 a little mini hatchet. It's not that mini. And busts up the McDonald's. Can I hear this, please? Go for it. The... <laughs> I guess you're not talking about it, Kevin. The maniac who's busted up the McDonald's. Thank you. That's why I keep my knife on me all the time, man. Shit like this, you never know. I know. You hear him in the background? All right, I'm telling you, there's... He's punching people. He's breaking things with that axe. Now, any any citizen, once this guy, when I found out he was arrested, I was like, phew, okay, good. He's in jail where he belongs. He's out of jail. He's out of jail in a matter of moments. And here he is. I think we have this guy. What's his name again, Kevin? His name is uh, like Sherlock My- Michael. Michael. Here he is explaining the situation. Go ahead. My intentions were not to hurt anyone. My intentions were not to put anyone in a hospital or dice anybody up. The reason why I pulled out the hatchet was because, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that they don't jump me again. 
Judge Weinberg joins us. Judge, I have to be uh, honest. I'm totally shocked that he's out. Number one, I'm also totally shocked that such a maniac actually sounds like he's not crazy, although he is crazy. I mean, there's something wrong with this guy. Do me a favor, Judge. First of all, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me back. Are you? Are you? Are you uh, something tells me you're not as troubled as I am by this crazy man possibly being right outside right now. I'm how deeply, d- I'm deeply troubled, but I'm not surprised. All right, good. But how did it happen? Can you just break it down again? How? Wh- how do we get to this point? Not how, but what did the judge? How can the judge or the prosecutor say it's okay for this guy to be out there? Okay, it's not on the prosecutor. It's not on the judge. It's on the state legislature. And the governor who signed the, the law and made the so-called amendments that kept the, uh, the bail reform craziness in place. You want to talk about what's crazy? The law that was passed by this state legislature, signed by Cuomo, modified by Hochul a couple of times, does not protect the public. Now, that wait, is can what, I just, wait, that's what's crazy. A judge? I mean, then we could just – should we just have forms? Should we just have a, a kiosk? That 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 is in the courthouse and says, "Okay, because you're accused of this, we are going to do that." A judge is supposed to have discretion, and in all of those books, I see these libraries full of books. Can't the judge find something to keep this guy in custody? All right, so let's uh, let's take it from the beginning. The judge uh, gets an application from the district attorney, from the assistant DA standing in the part, in the arraignment part. And the DA either asks for bail or doesn't ask for bail. The DA in this case, because none of those are of crimes that rise to the level where you can hold somebody in on bail, had no choice but to release him in his own recognizance. So punching somebody – wait, Judge, I got to just – because some of this – you know what? Most of us have not read the bail reform. We kind of assume that somebody can pull strings somehow to keep – when it's obviously this bad – now, you saw what I saw. You saw the videotape. I did. He, he punched people right in the face. He brandished a deadly weapon, an axe, that there's nothing that the judge is so limited and this law is so all-encompassing that you just go along. Okay. Maybe the judges should resign. I mean, who wants to be a part, no, who wants to be a part of this crazy system? Uh, I often talk to my former colleagues, and a lot of them are very upset about it, too. So let me just tell you what the process would be. So if you can't hold him in on bail, and you should just give judges discretion based on dangerousness, and the guy would have been done. All they have to do is clean up the law, give the judges sitting in criminal court and Supreme Court the capacity to hold somebody in who, based on dangerousness to the community and to his fellow human beings, and that would satisfy. Number two, if the person is not able to understand the crime that he's accused of and aid in his own defense, you can send him out for mental observation Mental observation, which we call a 730 exam. However, you listen to what I heard on this tape just now that Kevin played for us. The net net is the guy is capable of assisting in his own defense and understanding charges against him. So you can't send him out for mental observation on that. Well, actually, actually, can I do me a favor? Play the part where he says why he has the axe. He actually explains and he incriminates himself big time here. Listen to this. I'm always out there on the road, so I'm always actually getting into it with drivers, which is what the tomahawk is for. It's not for people. It's for trees and, you know, vehicles. Well, so that, he's, he's that's, an added, that's an added dimension. Maybe you could, they could have tried to get him in on a 730 exam to Bellevue for mental observation. No, the I mean, thir- he, he, what happened was, and I, it goes back to your thing about dangerousness, he says that acts is for drivers. 
and then he catches himself and, and tries to say it's trees. about trees. Right. All right, how about this? You say it's not on the prosecutor. Can't the prosecutor overcharge on purpose? They do it all the time. No, charge him with something I would, I, I, in I wouldn't excess. Call it, I wouldn't call it uh, overcharge or call it upcharging. Okay, upcharging. Couldn't they have done that? If there's sufficient facts in the, in the allegations to, to raise it up. Because that, that brings me back to Alvin Bragg, because Alvin Bragg is cool and down with a lot of this stuff, letting him go, a even problem, violent offenders. The problem is a simple, a simple assault, you know, a punch out, is not something that's that's bail eligible. Is is what, what about aggravating with the axe? Well, I would I would do that. I would upcharge to that, and let him uh, let him be remanded or set bail on him. Now, there's a third thing you can do under the state mental hygiene law. You can say he's a threat to. To other people, and I would remand him for a mental hygiene observation. Well, there you go. There you go. So, I'm sorry. It is the prosecutor. The prosecutor has something. And the judge, you're telling me there, can the judge look at this? And you know what? I have a thing that I have a feeling. My judgment tells me that his mental health is, you know, poses a risk. Can a judge I, do that? If I were the judge, I would push for it, yes. Well, you see, I'm sorry. I know we can bitch and moan about the laws all day long, and I do, and I am, and I don't like it. But, Judge, there is some discretion here that they're not exhibiting. They're not pushing this to the limit. Okay. And uh, ask yourself the question, how do people get on the bench? They get on the bench either by election or appointment. The election, the people don't know who they're voting for, and the appointments, a large number of the people sitting in the criminal court. Judge, we like it. Hold on. Yep, I got it. No, 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 no. Stay with me, okay? Well, one more when we come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, we're back with Judge Weinberg. I'm sorry. I mean, I think this is another pivotal moment. This is, everybody can understand this. Everybody can see the video. The New York Post front page, you know, this video of this nut job uh, destroying a McDonald's with an axe, destroying a McDonald's with an axe, and he's already out. And Judge Weinberg you told me a moment ago, actually, that the prosecutors, there is a failure on the prosecutor's part. They could have upcharged him. You can they up-charge. could have upcharged. The imperative is to keep a man like this off the streets, at least for some period of time, to be released now, so soon. That's why That's why you should use, if you can get enough of a, a fact pattern to have a, a mental hygiene commitment as a threat to, the, to himself or to other people. So you have... Three things that a judge seeing the Raymonds does. He looks at the uh, the crime, if it's the uh, legislation that impacts him. He sees if he's capable under 730 of uh, defending himself and assisting his own, press, own defense in the prosecution. The third thing is under the mental hygiene law. But let me really answer the question, and let's not do this piecemeal. Let me tell you well, three things. Well, go ahead. Because let me tell you. No, no, let judge, me i got to say one other thing, Judge. This is not... I mean, you're giving me one component. That's fine. I'm, no, you're not, I want to give you. It's not uh, the ultimate component, Judge. There are other things that can be done in law enforcement. Law enforcement is more than what's happening in that courtroom. I And you're not, I mean, you're giving me your expertise about what happens in that courtroom. I am sharing with you my frustration that some of these folks are not more creatively pushing, yes, the boundaries. And these laws are open to interpretation. But, Judge, go ahead. All right. Three things have to be done. Number one. The law has to be changed. It's absolutely essential laws change. Give judges discretion to hold somebody in on dangerousness. I have to stop you right there. Number one, because number one is going to take too long. We've known this about the bail reform law for how long? I mean, it was Cuomo, right? It was a long no, it was Cuomo. Uh, right? that Cuomo. ain't changing before the election. 
That ain't changing anytime soon. I got to walk home tonight. So do you. All right. This guy's out there. We can't change the law soon enough. Literally. I, listen, so that is one I big thing that we okay. ain't changing the law. We should, but we can't. So that's off the table for now, for the time being. Next. Number two. Second. If a prosecutor will not act in his or her discretion where they can upcharge and hold somebody in on the uh, the highest charge, which is something that you could set bail on, then that prosecutor should uh, be relieved of his responsibilities, and the, the governor can do that. That's number two. That's big. That's now, big. That is big. The governor does. And by the way, can you break that down? Does the governor have authority to fire him, remove him permanently, or just suspend him? Or is it like an impeachment process? How would that work? Has a right to suspend him from handling certain cases and appointing somebody to do the to the job. Ultimately, he's entitled or she's entitled to a to a hearing. It's a due process hearing, and then after findings of fact and conclusions of law, you could uh, remove in and legal in legal circles. In your circles, the people you know and have worked with, is the malpractice of Alvin Bragg like so egregious that that is considered a reasonable option, or is that? Just, oh, no, that's just too crazy, too hypothetical, too too radical. It's a radical solution, but the governor could have taken uh, Bragg around the block for, for a walk and explained the facts of life to him and told him, get serious, do your job. The third component of this is the judges themselves. Now, let me tell you the dirty little secret about judges. Some judges are elected, and the people who vote for them have no idea who they're voting for, right. what their records are. And some judges are appointed. And the problem is that the special interest groups that push for judges and who can stop somebody from becoming a judge are people who have an agenda and surely left wing. It's going on right now, so let me point this out to you, and I'm very concerned about it. There's a push by the left wing right now by Generis, the state senator from Queens, who's a deputy majority leader, to tell the governor that she has to appoint a so-called progressive as chief judge of the state. Now, that has to be stopped because judges should not be a product of a political deal, political influence by Generis and the politicians. They have to appoint people who are solid judges. State Senator Generis, G-E-N-A-R-I-S, right? Is that his name? G-I-A-N. I've met this guy. He's not crazy, although I haven't seen him in 20-something years. He went to Harvard Law School. That's correct. And he went to Fordham College. And I think he is frustrated that he's in New York. He's in elective office. And he can't go any higher. He's a Harvard man. And he can't go any higher. And nobody knows who the hell he is. And he has a lot of power because he controls the state senate. But he's frustrated. He wants attention. He wants attention. He sees AOC getting in there, becomes a household name overnight. He's been so he's going even further to the left, I think, because he's in it for the wrong reasons. He wants recognition. He wants he wants attention. And he's the same guy who sabotaged the Amazon deal. Was that a good idea? Is that help to say uh, that's why sabotaging? he but he was. Yeah, because he was AOC kind of led the effort, I think. Right. And she's changed the game and and he's going along with it. Wow. Gianaris, what a what a what a disappointment you turned out to be. And I don't think this is what you really are. I know a few things about that guy. And for him to be State Senator Michael Gianaris, maybe we're going to maybe we're going to try to make him famous. All right. Now, he's. 
pulling the strings to get some woke nut job appointed chief judge? I don't know if it's a woke nut job, but I know it's a super left progressive. That's correct. Woke nut job works for me. I mean, <laughs> super left progressive basically means woke nut job. Uh, judge, where'd you go to law school, by the way? My JD is from George Washington in Washington, D.C. My master's in law is from NYU. Okay, an LLM. That's right. And I also have four uh, law professorships besides. What, what, uh, did you know Ken Starr? I actually met Ken Starr, yes. Uh, I, he died last week. That's and... right. He was a he was a great uh, he was a great patriot. He was a great judge. Yeah. And he took a job of being the special prosecutor in the Clinton matter and destroyed his career. That's a job he never should have taken. Well, it also kind of made his career too. Let's face it. I mean, no, he got a lot. He did fine. He became the pr- dean of this law school, the president of that. Pepperdine, law- Pepperdine Law School. He became dean later. Uh, Baylor College. We became president. Yeah. I mean, and, so he did fine. Except that he was on the short list for the uh, Supreme Court of the United States, and so he took that uh, that job as a special. Well, counsel. you know what? I think being on the Supreme Court is vastly overrated. I really do, and you do too, by the way. I listen. I was on the state Supreme Court, but if they offered me the U.S. Supreme Court, I think I would take it. I just don't understand these guys. They cap themselves off. Like, what's his name? Judge Justice Judge Roberts, whatever Thomas Chief, Roberts. What's his name? Chief Judge John, John Roberts. John Roberts. He was making a million dollars a year in 2004, and then he becomes the judge, the chief justice, and he's making $225,000 a year. Most people couldn't and wouldn't do that. Where do they? My theory is that these guys, once they're the justice, and it's totally legal, but I have a feeling everything is paid for, everything in the world is paid for, and then they can somehow make additional money. Is that true? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, okay. Well, what the hell? Hey, Judge, listen, thank you for putting up with me. I am very hot and bothered about this, obviously. I will point out that there are things that can be done outside the courtroom. You already told us what could be done inside the courtroom. And I think the cops should keep an eye on this guy. And something tells me maybe they are. I hope so. All right. Your judge, you're the best. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, what do you think, everybody? Um, let me go to – I just can't believe this is happening. I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. In our city, you know, uh, Benjamin in Forest Hills. Yes. Hi, I'm in total agreement with you about crime and the terrible things that are happening. Oh, Benjamin, you're the new guy. You're the guy who doesn't uh, agree with me a lot, uh, but you do oh, on God. that stuff. How are you? How are you? Okay, so I want to praise you for raising these issues, but then. Uh oh. Let us go back and forget about Trump and look at the Republican Party and compassion, okay? Compassion? Yeah, compassion, which, according to you, the Democrats don't have. Now, let me raise... Well, I mean, I never really said that. I don't know know what you're getting at there. And I'll tell you this. Before you go on any further, I'm just going to say one thing. Uh, about Republicans, and I'm not a fan of Republicans either, all right? I mean, I'm, no uh-huh. way. I do love MAGA, but Republicans, you can have them, especially Mitch McConnell. But uh, that whole thing George W. Bush came up with, remember that nonsense? I'm a compassionate conservative, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and his father talking about a kinder and gentler country. These are guys who didn't stand for anything. They just wanted power. So they sat in a room with marketing experts and came up with these silly labels and and slogans that mean absolutely nothing. So, uh, Benjamin, I have no patience for any of these people, but keep going. Okay, we agree on that. But I'm looking at the history of the Republican Party and what it stands for, 
in the light of what's happening now. We just heard about Ron Johnson talking about Social Security and Medicare uh, that should be voted on every year. Okay. So, I don't know. I don't know. You're getting into the weeds on this stuff. The reason why I like Ron Johnson is uh, he's one of the only people out there who's been calling for uh, a full he, – he's been actually really pushing it on on Hunter Biden and the crazy laptop. And you got to admit, that, that scene, that's a total disgrace. Joe Biden and the intelligence community, they all lied to us, said that that was Russia disinformation. I have no, I quite frankly have no real thoughts about, I don't care. You could tell me it's being renewed every year anyway. I don't know. I I mean, I think there should be Social Security probably and Medicare. Yeah. I don't care if they vote about it every year or not. I really don't, Benjamin. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to passionately debate you on this. I don't care. I just don't. I don't even know. It's not my thing. You need those programs, but I don't care if they vote it every year or not. Maybe they even already do. Benjamin, is there anything else? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go back to what? I'm not. I'm not the Republican National Committee historian. And I, I wait, you wait, know, wait. you're you're talking to the wrong guy. If you think I'm going to defend everything Republican? I'm not. Some of the favorites of the Republican Party: George W. Bush, Jeb Bush. All right. Those guys are disasters. Everybody knows that. Uh, so you know, you're talking to the wrong show. There, call you Hewitt. He'll he'll he'll, he'll he'll debate you on this stuff. Ronald Reagan. How, what do you think about Ronald Reagan? Well, not George Bush. Well, in many ways, I do like, hey, Ron Reagan, by the way, he was more, he was more centrist than some Democrats out there. You know that, by the way. Just take a look at immigration, huh? You know, if Ronald Reagan tried to do what he did with immigration today, they probably drum him out of the Republican Party. Listen, Reagan was a great man, and he actually is responsible for winning the Cold War, spent the Soviet Union literally into oblivion. God bless Ronald Reagan and his and his late wife, Nancy, too. Benjamin, thank you. Uh, let's see here. Maureen is in Patterson. What's going on with you? Hi, Greg. First of all, I love you. I pray for you every day, and I'm very disparaged that they're putting the flags at half mass for the queen. For this long, how dare they? How dare they? That's a little much. I mean, I don't even know. I'm looking at a flag right now, right across the street. I, I, I'm looking at six of them. They're not at half mast. Well, actually, I take that back. Two of the flags are at half mast. I don't know. How long are they supposed to be at half mast? Who cares? Attention. What? No, well, my flags are at half mast for the queen. I mean, those are for for our soldiers, not for the queen. No, wait a second. We put the flag at half mast on Arbor Day. We do it all the time for all kinds of reasons. It doesn't. I'm not going to. How dare they? I mean, I just I can't get wrapped up about that. There's too much to get wrapped up about. I don't know. Do you know for a fact that the proclamation said half mast for a certain period of time? I don't know. And I don't. Come on. I mean, how long are they at half mast for? And is this really ruining your day? my day it just it makes me sad because it's just like our soldiers are the ones that have the flags. hey yeah. come on and that's actually there's more than just our soldiers actually okay there are i'm off the top of my head well john mccain and i think we brought it down for shinzo abe and stuff like that so it's fine it's fine it half mast is not just for soldiers i can guarantee you that as a matter of fact you can look it up 
in the U.S. Code, there's a whole big list of people who they fly the flag half-mast for. The Justice of the Supreme Court, a Chief Justice. For a Chief Justice, it's three weeks. For a Justice, it's two weeks. For a former president, whether or not they served in the military, oh, by the way. All right? So it's not just for the soldiers. And if they want to do it for the Queen, I'm not going to get upset. We're supposed to have a special relationship with the U.K., right? Yeah, I suppose. All right. I think I I think I changed right. your mind on this. Don't worry about it. Uh everything else good? For that refreshment. <laughs> <laughs> Maureen, thank you. Thank you so much for the good wishes and the good prayers and all that. Uh, uh give me a moment. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh man, this is is this corrupt or what? The New York District Attorney launches a criminal probe into Republican candidate Lee Zeldin over election fraud allegations. Talk about one, but talk about scratching each other's backs, huh? Alvin Bragg and Kathy Hochul. Wow, uh, what a phony baloney. The Times Union first reported on Sunday that Albany County District Attorney's Office and the New York State Board of Elections were moving forward with a criminal investigation into thousands of duplicated signatures submitted during the nomination process as part of an effort to secure Zeldin. Uh, what timing? Oh, give me a break. Zeldin was going to win that thing. We all know that. All right, listen, I'm putting a pause on all that stuff because we don't want to get Noam Layton our brand-new news director who plays it right down the middle involved in any of this. Noam Layton, welcome to uh, WABC. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be back here. Noam, uh, yeah, so what, what, you've been here before? When? You know, I'm one of those guys who's been here a bunch of times. <laughs> so this is the second or third time I've lost track. Oh, I feel like such a schnook in, 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 in welcoming you. Yeah. You started the – I mean, here I am. Well, uh, do me a favor. Uh, you are new. I am. This time around. I am, right. When did you get into radio? Uh, 22 years ago. 22, the year yeah. 2000, right, right out of college? Uh, you know, I was an elevator operator for a little while. I was a costume character, Bugs Bunny, at the Warner Brothers store up on 57th Street for a while. And then I became a newscaster. Wait a second, the elevator operator. Yeah. What, 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 did you say this was 22 years ago, 200 years ago? <laughs> An elevator operator? Where yeah. the hell were you at Well, home? you know, like one of those uh, west si- Upper West Side buildings, you know, where they still have some of these West Side and East Side buildings still have the manual elevator operator. You're like a security guard and an elevator operator, and you take people to their floor. When I was, I mean, I remember seeing these when I was a way, way, way little kid. They had like this round crank thing. Right. It was sort of like that. You had the cage, and you closed yeah. the cage, and then you, you knew everybody's floor because it was the same people coming in every day, and you took them to their floor, and you opened the cage. But how did, how did, you, how did you stop it? it how was, did you go? Uh, it was, yeah, it was sort of like, right, it was a mechanical thing, and you had to... You you had to operate it and then land it at the floor exactly. It wasn't like pushing a button. You had to be really good at it, and I was really good at it. You slow it down, you got to the floor, and you stop, and you couldn't do it too fast because then everybody would be jostled in the elevator. Nobody would like you. Now, my father actually did that for a summer during college. Right. Sounds like you graduated from college and went into the elevator <laughs> exactly. operating business. What, what college did you go to? Emerson in Boston. Good school when it comes to communications, right? A great school, and apparently elevator operator as well. <laughs> All right, so you did that for a little while. What about the costume? Where'd you work at the costume? I was Bugs Bunny at the Warner Brothers store. I don't know if you remember this. There was a Warner Brothers store, 57th, and I think it was 6th Avenue. It was the first one they had built, and it was six or seven floors. And, you know, I was broke and unemployed, so... To make money, I donned a uh, you know Bugs Bunny costume, and I walked around the store taking pictures with people. Did you? Uh, wow, 
That's. Do you have any insight into the recent controversy at uh, oh, Sesame Street Place? I do, actually. It's, it's funny you should say that. Because you, then you know, because I wouldn't. I wore that for an afternoon. Oh, you did? Yes, in Times Square. Which costume? I was Big Bird. And the thing about it is <laughs> right. you're in there. Your field of vision is limited. Very. You can't see. You can't diss a kid. You don't even know there's a kid there. No, that's great. And, you know, the fun part about the job is, you know, going down and meeting kids. Not in a million years were those characters being racist. You just can't see. You have, like, a handler who's helping you walk around so you don't run them over because you can't see them below you a lot of times. So... A little crazy that they thought these characters were racist. It is funny, and they, they're suing for $50 million. So I did it for an afternoon, and I noticed the same thing. All right, so look, uh, were you trying to get a job in radio when you are doing all these gigs? Uh, yeah, and then, you know, some guy was silly enough to give me a gig, and, and it's been great from there. I, went, I did a small little station in New Jersey and then kind of was uh, discovered, I guess, and I've been on New York since 2000, 2001. I've been in New York. Wow. Yeah. All right. So Noam Layton, heard your name a million times. Good to meet you. What do you like to do that has nothing to do with radio? Uh, nothing to do with radio. You're putting me on the spot. Uh, I'd like to, you know, put that costume back on and, you know, go go back to the Warner Brothers. You got some hobby or something, right? I, I read. I mean, that's boring, though. You didn't want to hear that. I'd like to read. Well, like what? Uh, mostly autobiographies, but some fiction once in a while. I just finished... Um, uh, oh, my God, now I'm going to blank on the name. The uh, guy who was the star of the Andy Griffith show, The Kid. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Ron Howard. Thank you. The Ron, Brothers. The Brothers. Oh, such a great book. I highly recommend it. Normally, I wouldn't go for that because it's yeah. like entertainment-oriented, but you'll love it. It's really well done. The thing about it is uh, I saw the book. I thought about buying it. Clint Howard is the little brother yeah. who's been in a lot of movies like um, uh, Austin Powers. He was also in Star Trek. Did they talk about the Star Trek episode? They, start, they talk about everything. I'm gonna. I'll, you know what? I'll bring you in. I'm done. I'll bring you my copy in do you do you read manually store or do I you prefer, uh, here, this fun, good question and right. number one thank you for doing that so if i see a book that i want i'll make them i, I want to read it right now right so i'll download it and it's a much better experience for me though if i have the book physically 100 percent and it's it's it, it really makes a world of difference i'm reading a couple of books right now that way so that'd be great, man. Yeah, I would love that. I'm bringing it in that. tomorrow. I got it. I know exactly where it is. All right. Uh, I want to see if I can return the favor somehow. Do I have any autobiographies? Uh, I don't. Uh, you must have something you've read recently you like, no? Uh, I'm reading Jared Kushner's book. Oh, really? I've heard that's good. All right. I'm enjoying it. How about this? When I'm done with that, I'll give it to you. Okay. Do I have to like wait for a trade, or can I trust you and bring you the copy of the book and know that you'll give me the Jared Kushner in return? I'll, I'll give it to I'll, somebody else I'll, first. I'll, I'll, no, no. Okay. You're the only – no, no. No one talks about books. We're intellectuals, you and I. <laughs> right, exactly. But one thing about it, I'm going to warn you in advance I – I, I write crazy notes all over the book. Oh, that'll make it 100% better. Well, don't tell anybody No, of course not. It'll be our secret. <laughs> All right. Well, Noam Layton, welcome back to WABC. It's awesome to be back. Thank you. All right. He is the man, news director here at Noam Layton. Hey, I don't report to you, do I? No. You right. do not. No. Oh, oh, yeah. not, not yet, anyway. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. He has the look of an exec, of a guy who's here evaluating all of us and making decisions. Kevin, you seem kind of freaked out by that. Is he is he your new boss? Uh, no, not specifically, no. Okay. That would be Matt Meany. Uh, yes, and we're going to keep it that way. We like Matt, and we like this guy, too, but we don't like change, right? We don't like a new person coming in and evaluating us and saying this and saying that. Maybe you should try this. Uh-oh, only 40 seconds left. Very quickly, Maria in New Jersey. Hi, 
Greg. Thanks for taking my call. Just quickly, I just came back from several weeks uh, in Italy on vacation, met people from all over the world, and all they wanted to do, once they knew I was American, is tell me their opinion of Joe Biden. And it was 100% how they felt about him. Old and stupid. Really? What? And you know how much gas is a gallon in Italy right now? Uh-huh. $8.50. Wow. Wow. We thought, Wow. So these are people all over Europe or just Italians? Italians, and I met people from Australia, South Africa. I love it. It's not a surprise either, but interesting. Maria, thank you. Thank you all. See you tonight on Newsmax at 10. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.